Now, around this time of year, um, a number of years ago, a church marketing company came up with a great idea to sell their product, and that was they instituted in September the concept of churches designating a Sunday back to church Sunday. And we adopted that. We haven't bought any of their materials, but anyway, we, we, but, but we adopted that concept of saying, you know what, after the, you know, the, the, the varied program of summer, um, this is a good time to kind of settle back into church life. And then to throw it wider, of course, because our, our wider audience always is people who are disconnected from church or disappointed with church, and to invite folks who are in that situation to say, hey, why, why not come back to church? And so that's what we designated today as Back to Church Sunday. So if you're back with us and you haven't been in church for a long time, thank you for just taking the step of coming again. And if you're back with us because summer was crazy, we miss you. We're glad you're back. And uh, I, I was just thinking early this morning, church has been a part of my life for kind of as, as long as I can remember. I've got vague memories as a child, and it must be about five years old or something, of going along to a children's Sunday program in the Church of England church over the back of where I lived. So I guess I started there in the Church of England. But I know by the time I was about seven years old, my mother was sending us to a Methodist church to their kids' program. And then when I was 11 years old, a friend invited me to an Assemblies of God church where I got involved with the youth group and I really came to know Christ and uh, spent my teenage years there, went to an Assemblies of God Bible school, became a pastor with the Assemblies of God and pastored with them for 14 years. But some of you will understand if I tell you I was not a good fit in an organized denomination. Be nice. Uh, but, but I wasn't. So after 14 years with the Assemblies of God, I, I left there and we started what we, we referred to and was described as at that time as, a, as a, an independent charismatic church. Okay, so we're good. Church of England, Methodist, Assemblies of God, independent, charismatic. Then I came to Long Island in 1991, um, pastoring in a Pentecostal church. And 24 years ago this month, that all ended, and I just became Roger and started Genesis. <laughs> so, now I know for you that are purists, we didn't. We started as Grace Church. And I know we went from Grace Church to Church of the Movies. And I know we went from Church of the Movies to Genesis. But I, I think we've been here for a while now. But, but here's, here's, here's the thing. Church has been part of my life then for something like 65 plus years. I don't know any other way of life than being very connected and involved with church. Now, you might be here on this Back to Church Sunday and you know, you're, you're here for whatever reason, but, but you might ask the question, well, why church? What's so, what's so important about church for us? Why church? I'm glad you asked that question because <laughs> I'm going to answer it now. <laughs> why church? Why is church so relevant and so important for us? And, and what I want to do this morning is I want to run through four reasons why church is important. 
And the first is this. Church tweaks my perspective on God. Church, and let me explain what I mean by that. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8, God is directing Israel about what needs to be important to them. And he says this, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So what actually happened there is God says to, to his people, he said, there's one day in a week that's going to be special for you to honor God. And when I say church tweaks our God perspective, what, what I mean by that is this. When we come to worship together, we say to God, you're more important just now than anything else is. Okay, you get what I'm saying there? So we're saying it's Sunday morning, and on Sunday morning, God takes priority. God takes precedent. Now, the Bible gives us the picture that when God made heaven and earth uh, at the end of creation after six days, it says God rested on the seventh day. I, you know, it doesn't tell us what he did. I don't know if there was football on, but God rested the seventh day. And, and you know, my mind kind of runs to the thought, maybe he just spent it enjoying and admiring his own handiwork. Maybe, maybe he was just having a good look around there, you know, reflected on what he had done. And I wonder if what the Bible is telling us is that there needs to be a specific time we set apart every week where we reflect on what God has done. But you won't manage that while you're doing a dozen other things. Pulling away from everything else. Making God priority is a pattern the Bible sets down for us. In Mark's gospel, chapter 6, in verse 31, it says this, Jesus at one time said to his disciples, come off by yourselves. Let's take a break and get a little rest. For there was constant coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat. You ever had a day like that? You say that's Long Island life, right? <laughs> There's constant coming and going. I, I never had the problem of not finding time to eat. I'm going to tell you the truth there. Like that was, that was never a challenge with me. But, but the constant coming and going in life. And Jesus says, here's what you need to do. I want you to come off by yourselves and take a break. It's that pattern of a Sabbath principle, a, a day where we separate ourselves from everywhere, everything else. There's a phrase we used to use, and I know I go back to antiquity now, but I, there's a phrase we used to use a lot. And we used to refer to Sundays a lot as the Lord's Day. Oh, some of you are old too. Okay. Right? We used, we used to talk, so, so Sunday's like the Lord's Day. And it's like, if you look at that phrase, it's like, this is God's day. This is a day when God takes priority. It's a way of telling God He matters. Church tweaks my perspective on God. It reminds me God comes first. That's why the early church um, from its inception, started actually making their rest day, their worship day, the first day of the week, because that was the day of the resurrection of Jesus. And, and so actually, the first day of the week became the day to honor God. So, so the way you start a new week is you start a new week by recognizing God has my attention 
before anything else does this week. Sounds a bit heavy, doesn't it? But that's fine, I've got more. No, God matters before everything else. We were, um, Jill and I were down with our, our son in Texas over last weekend, and, and our, our grandson, Jameson, is getting into football, real football, soccer. And, um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and he loves it, you know? So he has a game at the moment most Saturdays. And then Jonathan said, um, while we were down, he said, oh, this coming weekend, he's got ga- a game on Saturday and a game on Sunday. And he said, the last time that happened, I said to the coach, I want him to get into a practice of going to church Sundays. So he, he can't play the Sunday game. So he said, uh, I'm not sure what I should do. I said, well, it's your call. You work out what you want him to prioritize. And this is where I'm really going to interfere, parents. All right. Please feel free to get upset with me because it's happened before, all right? I, I, read this, I read this statement on Twitter of all perverted places this week, and, and I read this. It was, it was somebody who's called Melissa the Homemaker. I don't know. But I, I read this statement. I realize, she said, it's become quite accepted among many Christian families that teaching your children Teaching your children that faithful participation in ball games is more important than faithful involvement in the local church. And she said, that is a disastrous decision that is likely to have far-reaching consequences. I'm pretty sure this morning Jameson's in church. He loves church. Hey, and that's part of the secret too, you know. If the kids love church, it won't be a huge hardship for them to say, no, Sunday games we don't do. And you know what I love here? Kids can't wait to get into our kids' ministry areas. Faith, our next-gen pastor, and the teams that work with her have done such a fantastic job. But here's the deal. Parents, we've got to teach our children priorities, and we don't have a lot of time to do that. And if we don't teach them that on one day in the week, God takes priority. Now, I know, I know, I know. I know some of you are watching us online and you don't have the option of being here. And I'm glad you're watching us online that you're able to do that. Uh, whether it's because of geography or whether it's because of y- y- your concern for, y- for, y- for your health, that's, that's great, that's fine. But on the other hand, you know, if it's a case of, oh, you, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go Sunday, I'll, uh, I'll catch it online. That's not God priority, I'll catch it online. Listening to it in the car on the way to work is not God's priority. I tell you what God's priority is. It's worshiping with a church family on a weekly, regular basis. And that becomes your priority. I told you it would get heavy today. So, but, but here's the thing. Here, here's, here's the thing. Did you ever go to the gym and you really didn't want to go? Right? Right? Yeah. But did it happen often on some of those days that when you left the gym, you were glad you went? Try that with church. Here's what it says in Psalm 84, verse 10. One day spent in your house 
This beautiful place of worship beats thousands spent on Greek island beaches. Yeah, some of you are questioning that one, aren't you? All right, it's in the book. I'd rather scrub floors in the house of my God than being honored as a guest in the palace of sin. Psalm 27, verse 4, the psalmist wrote this. He said, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. You know, sometimes, you know, you, you don't miss the water till the well runs dry, right? Remember two and a half years ago? When one Saturday we sent word out and said there will be no church service tomorrow, and there wasn't for six months. Was that weird or what? Let's value what we've got. Let's value the opportunity. And above all else, let us remind God, He's God and He matters more than anything else matters on a Sunday morning. Church tweaks my perspective on God. And then this, this is another important thing. Church tweaks my perspective on life. Now, when we were shut down in the time of COVID, one of the ways that, that, that I looked to stay connected with everyone was I, I, I started basically doing my own evening Bible reading, um, just doing it live on Facebook. So at nine o'clock every night, I would read through I was reading through the book of Psalms, and as many of you know, I, I still do that. Nine o'clock every night on the church's uh, Facebook page, I, I, I read from the book of Psalms. And uh, it's quite interesting just the way it goes. That was two and a half years ago I started doing that. Um, that means we've been through the Psalms a few times. I can't do the math just standing here talking, but we've been through the whole book a few times. But it's interesting that last night we came to just in the course of it, to Psalm 73, which was a psalm I intended referring to this morning. And so, like, we heard it last night, and here it is again this morning. Psalm 73, verse 12. Here's the psalmist trying to puzzle out what's going on in life. He said, the wicked get by with everything. They have it made, piling up riches. I've been stupid to play by the rules. What has it gotten me? A long run of bad luck, that's what. A slap in the face every time I walk out the door. Did you ever feel like that? It's like, here am I doing my best to please God in the way I live, and nothing goes right. And there's my neighbor who couldn't give a darn about God, and they seem to have the best life going. And that's what the psalmist is saying. And there's a long complaint. This is a fascinating psalm, Psalm 73. He goes on at some length to say to God, look, what's up here? Something is radically wrong. They're doing so well, and I'm doing so badly that, that this isn't working out the way it's meant to. And then, though, in verse 16, he says this. When I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I saw the whole picture. And sometimes when you try to figure life out, you just end up with a splitting headache. 
But here's what David said. When I went into the sanctuary of God, I saw everything so much clearer. I saw the whole picture. Church tweaks our perspective on life. Church helps to pull us back so that we take a look at the whole picture, the, 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 the big story, the fact that God is its architect. So we, so we come here out of all kinds of situations. There's perhaps, you know, stressful work situation you're, you're gonna be facing later today or tomorrow. Maybe there's family conflicts that were raging last night. Maybe there are financial concerns that make you afraid to answer your phone. Maybe there are health issues that you're anxious about today or in the coming few days. And, and, and here's the thing, but when we get into the sanctuary of God, we are reminded God is God, God's in charge, and God's got a hold of us. That's, that's, that's such an important that's such an important thing to be reminded of over and over and over and over again. You could wonder what the heck's going on in this world or in this country. And, 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 and you know, there's stuff thrown at you fr from, from left, right, and center, and not just politically either, but it comes to you from all over the place. And everybody's got their agenda and everybody's telling you what's wrong with this and what's gonna happen if you go down this road and da, 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 da. Then I entered the sanctuary of God. <laughs> and God's still on the throne. And God has promised to work out everything for my good because I love him. Church tweaks our perspective on life. The, the word sanctuary, we, we kind of veered away from that when we got our building finished up and, and we, we, we didn't want to call this sanctuary because it's, uh, it's more religious than Genesis is. <laughs> so, so, we, so, so we didn't, so we, we refer to this nowadays as the, an auditorium. But, but the word sanctuary actually comes from the Latin word sanctus, which basically means holy. And, and, and that word again, essentially means different. We come into a different place, a different place. And there's something special, there is. It's not Starbucks, not the library, it's not going to the movies. This place is special. You know, in, in medieval England, the, 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 the um, church was recognized as a sanctuary in the sense of it was a place where people could run to and the law could not touch them. There was a place of refuge from everything that was haunting them or hunting them down. And I just want to remind you this morning, I'm not talking about you breaking the law, you, you know, you've got a red light ticket, you better pay it, but uh, I'm not talking about that, but I am talking about church is a place where we can run into from everything that haunts us in life and feel safe and feel secure. Is, is that right? It's, it's like where you can walk in the door and, and like breathe. And you can let your defenses down. 
a place of different perspective on life. And in, 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 um, church reminds us of really what matters. Of which way's up. There, there, there's, there's an interesting little story in, in Luke's gospel about Jesus going to a village called Bethany. And when he gets to Bethany, he goes to hang out with a family that he knew well. And part of this family were two sisters called Mary and Martha. And as soon as Jesus arrived, uh, Mary came and sat right down there with him. And she just wanted to kind of hear what he had to say and listen to every word that fell from his lips. Martha, on the other hand, was Jesus is here. Like, what are we going to serve him? And, and Martha was rushing around the house trying to get everything ready to serve Jesus, something real. I mean, what do, you, what do you give him, you know, right? You can't just look through the fridge and think, we've got cold cuts. <laughs> so, so, it's, so it's, you know, Jesus is here. And, and, and then, so Martha then comes to Jesus and says, excuse me, Master, um, shouldn't she be helping? Luke 9, Luke 10, 39. Her sister Mary sat on the floor listening to Jesus as he talked. But Martha was the jittery type and was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. So verse 40, she came to Jesus and said, Sir, doesn't it seem a little unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Verse 41, but the Lord said to her, Martha, dear friend, you are so upset about all these details. There is really only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. Church reminds us in the busyness of life what really, really matters. God is God, and He cares about me. And when you are reminded of that, it puts every aspect of your life into proper perspective. Church tweaks our perspective on life. And then church tweaks my perspective on community. Church is a place where we feel we belong. It's not just where I go for a service. Are you, are you with me in this one? It's not just this is where I go for a service. I go to church Sunday morning. But church is a community that we come to feel a part of and to belong to. Psalm 122 verse 1 says, says this. It says, when they said, let's go to the house of God, my heart leaped for joy. I just want you to notice from that verse that, that this was kind of a communal thing, a shared thing. When they said, let's, let us go to the house of God. The fact is that worship was something that was done in relationship with other people. And, and, and it, was, it was special because of that. Church is community. The, the fact is we need church community because well, I don't know about you. I think I do actually, but I don't know about you, but I need others to look out for me. Philippians 2, 4 says, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. A few months ago now, um, after church, we were going down to a diner to get some, something to eat. And uh, our grandson, Jace, was driving behind us. And... Um, I parked at the diner. He came running over. He said, pop your trunk. And I was like, 
what? He said, pop your trunk. Uh, Jason's a diesel mechanic, so anything like, you know. I, I said, what's, what's the matter? What's wrong? He said, you've got a light out. I said, oh, is that all? So, <laughs> I, mean, I thought the back of the car was falling off the way he's like, you know. You've got, you got a light out. But I don't, you know what? I don't know how long I had that light out for. Because I don't see the rear lights of the car. Right? I know I should check them somewhere. Leave me alone. All right? But... <laughs> But I don't, see, I don't see the rear end of the car. So, so you know what? And, and, and it's kind of like that in life. We, we, need, we need other people at times who look at our lives and our actions from a different perspective who, who are able to help us. So we need people to tell us, you know, you've got a tail light out or did you enjoy your sesame bagel? The seeds are still in your teeth or, or, <laughs> or whatever it needs, you know. Friends tell friends about their zippers. We'll leave it there and move on. <laughs> we need each other. We need people who watch out for us. We don't just need a service to come to. Church is a family that we belong to, right? Amen. So here's, here's what we're going to do. I want, I want you just to listen to, to this song, and here's the challenge, right? If you're new to us, we're a little different. Uh, here's what I want you to do. When you hear the opening bars of the song, shout out the first word that comes to your mind. Are we good? All right, let's see what you got. <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. Our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. I saw so many people smile when they saw that. Like that was that that, that was crazy. Here's here's something that I, I didn't realize till a couple of weeks ago that actually that ran on NBC from '82 to '93. That means probably this morning, if you're under 40, you're looking at that thing and what's that? <laughs> yeah, we do try to make church relevant, but we might have missed it there. Uh, but, but, but uh, hey, it's still running on different state channels, of course, as, as reruns. You, you know what the shame about Cheers was? It was set in a Boston bar, and it should have been a church. Sometimes you need to go where everybody knows your name. Where everybody knows your name. Wouldn't you like to get away? That's how God intends church to be. You know, that's one of the reasons why I love 
kind of the, the 45 minutes or an hour before service here is a sun, on a Sunday when, when out in our cafe area, like it gets pretty crowded out there. And if you listen any Sunday just to the noise level of conversations out there, it's absolutely fantastic. That's our version of cheers on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Yeah. We've got our own norm, but I won't tell you who it is. But this, uh, <laughs> Church gives us a fresh perspective on community. We need each other. God made us for community. We need to belong. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says this, And now this word to all of you. You should be like one big happy family, full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. That's the Bible's picture of church. You should be like one happy family. That's what God wants for us. Church tweaks my perspective on community. And, and let me say this today. If you're visiting with us today and you haven't been connected with church for some time or even in your life before, I want to tell you this. Um, what we really want for you is not simply you find a service you come to, but we want you to find a family here that you belong to. That's what we're looking for. You know, the original idea when Starbucks was created was to was to provide what, what was called a third space for people. Somewhere they could hang out that was not work and it was not home. Now, I, I wanna be careful here because I've got the highest regard for Starbucks, not just because their coffee's good, but also because they have been a terrific help just in the past few weeks. They have given thousands of dollars to our Grace Care programs. And, uh, and, uh, but I am going to say this, there's a better third place for people to hang out and be connected, and that's church. Amen. Church is community, one big happy family. All right, the last thing, the last thing, why, why church? Because church tweaks my perspective on purpose. Now, let me, let me explain that to you. Um, I mean, I could have put it in plain English to start with, but it wouldn't have fit in as nicely with the other titles. So, so church tweaks my perspective on purpose. Let, let me read you this verse from Leviticus 26, verse 7. God says here to his people, you will pursue your enemies and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. Now, just take a look at that verse for a minute. You don't have to be good at math here, but um, I'll, I'll give you the, the guide through it. Here's basically what this is saying, right? If five of you can chase 100, that should mean 100 of you then can chase 2,000, right? That's the same proportions there. But it doesn't say that. It says if five of you will chase a hundred, the fact is a hundred of you will chase 10,000. In other words, you can do exponentially more 
when there's more of you at the task. And, and church, what church does is it tweaks our purpose. We can accomplish far more together than we can as individuals. And, and one of the things I love about our church family is, is, is if you go through, you know, and you don't have to go back in, into distant history. If you go back just over the last year or two and see some of the incredible things that we have been able to accomplish together that have impacted the lives of other people, most of them not here, some of them not in this country, but the fact is we are able to make a difference on a regular, weekly, ongoing basis in hundreds and thousands of lives because we're doing it together. Amen. We're doing it together. So together, together we can accomplish far more than any of us can as individuals. There, there, there's a passage that I will um, frequently, I guess, read at weddings, and, and it's from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and it says this. Many of you will be familiar with it. It says, two are better than one because they get more done by acting together. Two's better than one because they get more done. Now, if you multiply that out and say, hey, you know what? As Genesis Church family, we are far more effective and impactful because we are together. I can't do a whole lot on my own, and you can't have a very big impact on your world on your own either. But you know what? When you get enough people sharing a vision, sharing a passion, and wanting to sow into that, then you can do some pretty amazing stuff. And that's been the story of what God has done with us and what I believe God will continue to do in the future. A greater purpose. In, in Acts, Two, it describes the early church. It says in verse 44, all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony. There's the church in community. But then it goes on and says this, they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. Now here's the key bit. Every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. Verse 44, we've got the church in community. They lived in, in, in marvelous harmony. But then in verse 47, we've got what happened because of that. Their number grew as God added to those who were being saved. We can impact our world in a far greater way together, together. Now, if you're visiting today and you're looking for the perfect church, I, I could have saved you the time. This is not it. Okay? Now, I'm not disrespecting anyone who's sitting here listening today. I'm just talking about the lead pastor, okay? All right? So, I, I messed that up because I'm not perfect, so I guess the church, you know. That's not it. But it is so important for us to find a family of believers with a vision we want to buy into and to commit ourselves to that family of believers. I believe every church ought to be able to answer the question, what's it for? Nice church, what's it for? 
And you all know what it's for. If you're visiting today, you might not have picked it up. It's out on that longest wall out in our cafe. What we're for is very simple. We exist in the words of Jesus to seek and to save those that are lost. And we do that better together. For those of you for whom church is a, 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 a part of your life and a commitment in your week, I just want to say I hope what I've shared today encourages you. Keep doing what you were doing. For some of you for whom church might have become a little more casual and relaxed, I want to encourage you. Value. Value what God has made available to us. Remember that when you come into church on a Sunday, you're saying to God, you matter more than anything else. Remember, when life's crazy, you're likely to see it in far better perspective when you come into the house of God. Remember, we can't go through this journey of life alone. God made us for community, one big happy family. And remember, there is so much that we can accomplish together, and we need each other. I thank God for this church family. I haven't said it recently, and I might not have. I love this church family. I love the people that God has brought together here. It is the greatest privilege of my life to still serve and to still be a part of what is happening here and of what God is doing. The Bible says Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And I'm going to tell you this. I love the church. I love this church. And the reality... And we, we are at our most stable and effective when we are fully committed and fully involved in church. Let me leave you with this last scripture from Psalm 92 and verse 13, where it says this, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. That's not talking about a casual acquaintance planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. That's God's promise to you. What if God knows what he's talking about? It might be worth trying. Let's stand and pray.